Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going today? Uh, it's going okay. My throat's really hurting, and I, I don't know why. I thought I was over this, and I guess not. I say as I take a sip of my ginger tea that I should have done the lemon ginger tea I have. I have a lot of teas, Kate. <laughs> well, I have a very festive mug of eggnog um, and a very cheerful uh, cup of eggnog. So I, I would Is say- it cheerful because it's got alcohol in it? Why, yes, of course. It's a delicious. Uh, it's got some bourbon see, in there. That, some- that's not fair. I'm not drinking during this. And I should be drinking. Let me go get my red wine. <laughs> Normally, I would say we must pause for this, but I, I have a feeling with the sore throat that won't actually help. No, it won't help at all. No. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I it's do okay. also, it has some freshly grated nutmeg, which is how we roll um, with our with our eggnog here. So, like, let's just pretend it's that. That's the cheer, is the fresh yeah. nutmeg. Yeah, it's the, egg, it's the nutmeg. Absolutely. Not yeah. the bourbon. Not the bourbon. Um, so, it is uh, It is time for our top 20 TV shows of 2017. Yep. Um, what we're going to do is, you know, the same as we do pretty much every year, and that's, we'll both count down our 20 to 10. Or 20 to 11, I should say. And then maybe chat about some of those, you know, um, after we've both kind of gone through those. And then we'll go back and forth with our 10 through 1. Um, I'm really stoked for this, Noel, because I have I have some shows that I'm very confident are high on your list. Yeah. And I have no idea. Because for me, it was like number 1 and number 2 were fighting a lot back and forth. And then number 3 was like, I felt just like horrible for not needing to fight with whether it was tied but i was like i think i love it so much but i think i think it's number three and then number four was like just like like the, the, there was like a handful right at the top though i was pretty confident with where they needed to be and then like five or six through ten it was like okay that's just like neck down a tier and then 10 through 20 like i could have switched out a lot like another actually 10 shows for those there's a lot of tv i like this year well, it's funny that you say that about your top three, because I sort of had that issue come up with mine uh-huh. in that I, especially for my number three, I was just like, you should be higher, mm-hmm. but you're not. And for, for, I think valid reasons, but in terms of like what the other two were, but then after that five, four through 10, I think I'm just generally really happy with um and then to your point about like 11 through 20 basically being like eh, this could have been whatever or i could have just shuffled it is basically i feel that way about literally every time we do this like 11 <laughs> through 20 is basically just like these are just shows i really enjoyed this year don't take the ranking very seriously okay whereas for i think for this is like the first time in a while that i'm genuinely like deeply satisfied with my entire top 10 as opposed to being deeply satisfied with like the top three or the top five. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm generally like really happy with this overall top 10. Then 11 through 20, you can just shuffle the order or like pop in a couple of other shows that did not make this list this year. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, that show's fine with this. I'm okay with that. I was surprised about where one of my shows on this list still ended up, though. So Yeah, uh, a couple of my shows uh, are the same from last year, but at wildly different numbers. 
yeah i have that for i have that for at least one of the shows it's just like it's it, it wasn't where it was last year yeah i think it's which the same is, show we're gonna talk we'll is, see which is mostly the show's general airing fault and not really a quality issue. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, again, yeah. that's why I said, like, I yeah. think this is going to be very entertaining for, for us, hopefully for the listeners mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I look forward to hearing from everyone. And th- there are plenty of other shows that I really, really enjoyed that I thought were terrific, that were super fun, and that I enjoyed watching that aren't even going to be in this conversation. Right. And that's, that's what the Smork Sporky's for. Yeah, just because we don't mention it today doesn't mean that we don't think it's really good. You know, like if people reach out, most of the things that you're going to reach out about, likely we have seen and we'll go like, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, except if you reach out and say, but what about Legion? And I will just say, no. (laughs) More on that in the smorgasbord. That is not in my top 20. It would not be in my top 30 or 40. (laughs) Yeah. Also not in my top 20. Uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about our yeah. uh, our our process. Uh, yeah, is sure. The Handmaid's Tale, because I really liked about half the season, and the other half of the season I had very mixed th- feelings on. So the way that I make my list is I have a list of all the shows that I've watched. I, like, I go through the like all different records I have and such, and I make a list of all the shows that I've seen that I feel like I've seen enough of them that they can be in like my list of options i'm drawing from then i go okay these are the shows that i that i really liked and then i go these are the shows that i loved and then i go these are the shows that i can't bear to not have on the list and then if there are 20 of them great and if there aren't then i go back to the previous list and i like go from there and so shows that were really impressive but didn't stick with me emotionally or the things that I remember about them is like, oh, there was some really great stuff, um, but I'm really frustrated about, I, I can't believe they did a Luke episode, <laughs> basically, are not going to make that last jump, um, it, even if they make it to, like, oh, I thought it was really great, like, really interesting, really fascinating. If I didn't love it, if I, was, if I didn't walk away with my overall feeling for the entire year's TV, season or year, depending on how it aired... It didn't make my list. What was your, did you ever approach like the way that you tackled it or did you just kind of like go by instinct or you've been taking notes all year? Right. So I have a spreadsheet that I've been using since, um, well, a spreadsheet at this point, it's a workbook because each (laughs) year is in there now um, that I use basically to keep track of all the shows that I've watched at least the entire season, at least an entire Air, years worth of airings so even if i just did half of like a broadcast season that aired in the aired in the spring but i didn't watch any of it this fall i still consider it within contention um but and then everything is ranked from like lower tier middle tier upper middle tier and then upper tier and then i just sort by column b to see where everything lands mm-hmm. and that's how i do the that's how i like draft the overall list in terms of like candidates and then everything else after that point just sort of becomes like an instinct game in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways apart from generally like the top five i'm a little more like ruthless and finicky with um but then and as i was talking about at the top like 11 through 20 is again something where it's just like i could sub out like five other shows for five other shows that are on this list and i would be okay with that um and it's just sort of a what did i really like what do i really remember and that's the other reason why like i keep like a running list of like best episodes Mm -hmm. alongside like in that um in that row where that show is 
And so I can kind of trigger it. And one of the things that ends up sort of being like a deciding factor is whether or not there's a best episodes listed within that particular cell of the spreadsheet. Because um, if it's, there's not particularly one, then I'm just like, well, that episode didn't register or that show didn't register in a way that made me remember it. So or looking at the show, I'm not triggered by something in particular that makes me recall. Yeah, that was really good. And so it becomes a factor of what did I really enjoy this year? And where do I have cutoff type stuff? And that's kind of where I ended up going with a lot of this in like, uh, and again, like a lot of 11 through 20 is sort of instinct slash advocating sort of stuff, especially like mm-hmm. my number, my number 20 choice is just pure advocate advocating for the show. Yeah. Um, as opposed to this show was really good and it was, but it's also just like, I just want to advocate for this show. <laughs> um, and yeah. that's also like one of the things I treat these lists as, as a way to advocate for shows, um, that maybe I necessarily didn't talk about throughout the year, but I wanted a chance to highlight in some capacity. Well, let's start right, dive right in then, Noel, and let's advocate away. So what is your 20 through 11? So number 20 was the bold type. Um, and then number 19 was Soccer Request, which is that uh, Parks and Rec-esque anime that I just thoroughly enjoyed this year. Um, number 18 was The Good Fight. Um, number 17 was Speechless. Uh, 16 was Sense8, which I felt was appropriate since it's double. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think about that until just now. Uh, number 15 was One Mississippi. Uh, number 14 was Independent Lens. Uh, number 13 was Adventure Time. Uh, number 12 was Sweet Vicious, uh, which only aired four episodes this year. But there mm-hmm. were four really good episodes, everyone. <laughs> and uh, number 11 was American Experience. Um, okay. So those were my, uh, that was my 11 through 20. Uh, what was yours? Well, two of those are in my top yeah. 10. So Oh, cool. More on those in yeah. a bit. So my 20 through uh, through 11 are was Chewing Gum. Season okay. two, um, claws, nice, blasphemy to many. Number eighteen, Steven Universe. It fell so wow. far, everyone. That that was really far. That is in my top ten still. But yeah, yeah. More understandably when we yeah, get to understandably. it. Yeah. Um, number seventeen, Winona Earp. Number sixteen, Survivor's Remorse. Number fifteen, The Americans. That one also dropped a long okay. way. Um, number fourteen, The Carmichael Show. Number 13, Sweet Vicious. Number 12, Twin Peaks. And number 11, Adventure Time. Okay. Yeah. So a little, a little shifty for us. Um, mm-hmm. but like some overlap, I think. Um, I'm, I, I'm a little surprised that Sweet Vicious made your list. Um, cause it's amazing. Like it is said, amazing. Those four episodes. Yeah. I was looking at that cause I was on my, I was like, I feel like some aired this year. So I look up the episodes and I'm like, oh yeah. It, in January, we had a month in January, and, and I was looking at what those episodes were. I was like, these were all really good. They were, yes. It was a strong end to the season. Well, the series. Yeah. Womp, womp. Well, and that uh. is part of the thing is because when we, this is specifically, like, when we make our lists, we make our, our best of the years, almost more than anything else, it's a statement of who we are and where we are at. Yeah, intellectually, yeah, emotionally, and culturally at the time. Yeah. So, right, like the fact that we are in the midst of the Me Too movement makes Sweet Vicious even more like relevant and potent, you know, in my mind. So, yes, I, I loved absolutely. it yeah. for those themes when it was airing. We talked about that last year on the Televerse, mm-hmm. um, and and then this past January the Televerse. But when I'm looking at the end of the year, yeah, the bold type is in my thought process more. Um, it's not on my list, but it's in my process more. And Sweet Vicious is too because. 
like these, it just feels even, if it's possible, it feels even more relevant now than it did a year ago. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of like, especially with like my 11 through 11 through 20 is like a lot of like shows that ended up sort of being really relevant or at least relevant to our experience. So like Sweet Vicious is a good good example. One Mississippi basically sets the sort of like um, Me Too thing like yeah. sort of starts it. Yeah. And then like Good Fight is sort of like we've talked about throughout the year, this whole concept of like a post-Trump sort of television or an emotional reaction to television. And that was like one of the big reasons I included it, apart from the fact that I just sort of enjoyed it, a large swatches of it. Mm-hmm. But it was also just like, this was a show that really sort of captured the immediacy of the election <laughs> and benefited from it and really like spoke to a lot of what we were feeling down to Christine Baranski saying fuck and ready to like leave <laughs> to yeah. France. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that played a large part in like a, where I put a lot of stuff. Now, do you want to mention any of those other five that didn't make your list or should we save that for the end? Um, no, we can, we can save it for the end. Okay. Cause yeah, I, I literally had three different ones that were in my tw- number 20 spot that then I crossed out to, to make space for chewing gum after I realized that that was also this year. <laughs> <laughs> Which is easy to do because of how we like talked about it. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, we can definitely talk about it. Um, like, no, let's do it now. Let's just do it now. I think that's okay to do it now. Well, and I'm also very curious, like how many of my 11 through 20 are in your top 10 besides Steven? Don't say what they are, um, but how many? I think just Steven. See, yeah, yeah it's, I had a theory. Yeah, it's just Steven. Yeah, it's just Steven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just Steven. And Steven is low-ish. Yeah, but I have um, a feeling that we have a pretty similar where it's possible, because I have some on my top 10 that you haven't seen. So I think yeah. um, I, I would be surprised if we didn't have a lot of overlap in our top 10. So I feel like yeah. we can pretty safely see it. So the other ones that were in contention in my number 20 spot um, were Bob's Burgers, Underground, and Supergirl. Okay, yeah, Supergirl was in for me, yeah. Yeah, and then, then there were all, like, ten others that could have, like, playing house, you know, I love it so much, but it just mm-hmm. just missed, and Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath, you know how much I loved that, American Vandal, Better Things, you know, like, Big Little Lies, Bright Lights, the Carrie uh, Fisher and, and Debbie Reynolds documentary was really, uh, a, like, surprisingly <laughs> strong <laughs> in my memory um, as, as a contender. Uh, what about you? Let's see. Um, Handmaid's Tale, to a certain degree, was like circulating around, um, but I just kind of went, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to, but no. Um, Alias Grace was um, something that was um, circulating around for mine as well and didn't make it. Uh, Grace and Frankie was something that was like definitely like had a really great season, and I was seriously considering putting it on in the 20 spot. Mm-hmm. And then like glow and mindhunter um were really in contention for me as well what about samurai um, jack or is that in your top 10 no no huh no, didn't yeah no I, I got so soured by the end of that season that makes such an impact right because the start was so strong it's the same reason like handmaid's tale just like couldn't like get yeah. there as you were saying it's just like that that second half of that season just kind of went i don't know what this is right now and it's not what i really was enjoying beforehand yeah and when there's this much really terrific tv it's right i was getting really ruthless yeah it's very easy for us to take it for granted i think because of the way we cover tv and because there's so much binge tv 
that it's mm-hmm. like people completely forget just right. how much quality because we aren't sitting and talking about it for a week when they do a you know when we when we been on yeah. binge american vandal on a weekend you know like yeah and so this what sh- happened with me yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think that there was, uh, I, I kept thinking back on other shows and other moments and there, I was just was like, there was a lot of really great TV, but until I sat and thought about it, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said mm, it was down a little bit this year. Yeah. And I, I sort of even still feel like it was for me a little bit down this year. Uh-huh. Um, but it was when I was putting everything together, I just kind of went, but I really liked everything I ended up putting on my list was yeah. the thing. It was just like, even if I sort of felt a little down on everything overall i was just like everything i put on my list i was very happy with mm-hmm. um so and your point about binging i think is really important especially for i as i expect one of the shows that is in is in both of our top tens of <laughs> going like oh right that did air this year because <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yep, indeed. We'll get there shortly, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Uh, if we're being vague, it's because we'll get there shortly. Um, but uh, any other thoughts or comments on 11 through 20? Or shall we move swiftly on to top 10? No, we should just go ahead and move swiftly on to our top 10. Yeah, the the the, the 20 through 11 will get more love next week, everyone, with yeah, this mortgage. Like, there's going to be plenty of time, like, surreal moments. I wonder if I'll talk about Twin Peaks when we get to most ridi- like yeah. a ridiculous moments. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go to number 10. So uh, yeah. why do you kick it off? What was your number 10? Uh, my number 10 was Lady Dynamite season two. Um, was this on yours? No. It yes. is not on my list. Okay. Yeah. All right. No. So, I mean, we, we discussed this a fair bit uh, when we did a spotlight, so I won't like rehash this too much. But uh, just the approach to mental health. Um, I thought it was really great. And then the meta commentary about Netflix and the sheer weirdness and then the meta commentary about the show uh, was just delightful. And I really enjoyed it. And I kept thinking that it wasn't going to air this year. And then it did. And I was very, very happy. Also, like, best use of David Spade ever. Yeah. And I think that yeah. alone like deserves recognition in some capacity maybe uh, so in a was... most novel casting category yeah. <laughs> in the smorgasbordy <laughs> maybe not, maybe. Tip, not I'm, I'm halfway through my bourbon i mean my eggnog so maybe that's affecting what i'm <laughs> saying here but please continue yeah so that's that's the big reason why um that i chose it for my number 10 uh what was your number 10 uh well first of all lady dynamite is fabulous it's not on my list um but it is fabulous. I'm glad it's on yours. My number 10 is the Vietnam War documentary. Oh, interesting. Yeah. This was not even in contention for me. So please tell me about the Vietnam War. Okay. So And your let tell me about your feelings about the Vietnam War and your support <laughs> for the Vietnam War. Clearly. Yeah, yeah. Sponsorship and support for the Vietnam War. Um the this was a lot and it yes. was very intense and it was uh, certainly, it was, it was certainly something that was made all the more interesting by when it was airing and the, some of the other stuff going on uh, this year. But also, it has stuck with me a lot more than a, than uh, there are several documentaries on my list and um and and American Vandal faux documentary almost made my list. Um, <laughs> but uh, or I should say there are two. There are a couple documentaries, but 
the Vietnam War stuck with me much more than other documentary series have. It stuck with me more than The Jinx. It stuck with me more than Making a Murderer. Um, it stuck with me because of the, like, it was, like, must-see viewing for me. And it was two mm -hmm. hours a day for a week, for two weeks, you know? It Just was so much. <laughs> but the the depth it was interested in the humanity it gave to all of its subjects the distance and also at the same time immediacy of the storytelling and of the 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 structure of it it was incredibly compelling i feel like it should be like required viewing for a lot of people <laughs> um uh and i did not know how relevant so much of this would be to me individually and how much I would learn from it. Like I knew that I knew I had a long way to go and to, to I, I knew how little I knew about the Vietnam war, but I didn't have a, I thought it was just a normal level of like having a like glazing over of like the stuff you did in history class and half remembering it, you know, N no, this just like was com completely full of these tangents and these uh, just threads that I didn't, realize I was missing in my understanding of such a an important part of our American history and in world history. And so I'm very grateful to the team behind the Vietnam War and to everyone who contributed to it. I, I, it, it was very powerful to, to sit and listen to these people talk about their experiences in their lives and to have American service members interspersed with North, uh, North Vietnamese soldiers and Viet Cong soldiers and and South Vietnamese soldiers and all of them, you know, talking about their some incredibly shared experiences and some completely contrasting experiences. Um, so, yeah, I thought it did took a serious and significant and obviously very lengthy look at a very complicated and um, easy to oversimplify piece of world history and and it gave it the respect and the due it deserved. So that is why it is on my list. What is your number nine? Uh, my number nine is a show that was um, pretty high on the list last year and fell pretty quickly. Uh, that was uh, Queen Sugar. Um, so did this make your top ten? Yes, more on that in a moment. Okay. My number nine is Sense8. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Sense8. Let's talk about Sense8. And like, if I was trying to pretend that criticism is objective <laughs> sense eight wouldn't be on my list right sure but i just love it so much right <laughs> i love it so much the emotion and the pure like i've talked about this before on, on certainly at the end of the year podcasts uh but the shows that stick with me are the ones that are empathetic mm -hmm. Th that is what makes you know made treme one of my top one or two the year that it finished that's what makes me love spartacus so much that's what makes me love buffy so much that's what makes me love the shows that's like doctor who when it's not being moffeted upon um that's what speaks to me at the deepest level and that is what sense8 is it's pure empathy but it also is badass fight scenes and it also is really triumphant triumphant yeah moments and it's the the gayest gay pride parade you've ever seen and a moment of true breakthrough and joy and ecstasy uh as as a 
as one of the characters embraces his sexual identity and who he is in a way he never would have been like imagined possible a season ago and it is all of that and so much more they improved so much this from season one to season two i really like season one season two improved their mythology and their world so incredibly well and like yes there's elements of it there's parts of it that don't work too great and there are some performances that are stronger than others but for every moment like that we got Sylvester McCoy being weird. <laughs> we got a beautiful, beautiful proposal scene, dual proposal scene. And we got um, a fight scene that's going to be on my list next week for the Smorgasbordgy. And we got so much more. So that's why it's I, like, when I looked at I looked at Steven Universe and I looked at Sense8 and I said, ah, this year I love we all know I love Steven Universe so much. But this year Sense8 has impacted me more. So this year, I guess I'm, I guess I am the person who has Steven Universe in the top 20, but not the top 10. Who am I? What has happened to me? Have I been replaced by a, a real life decoy? What, what is it on Shield? Life model decoy. Life model decoy. Um. So yeah, that's why it is in my top 10. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Sense8 and what put it? It was like your top 16. 20. 16. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it boils down to like the empathetic point, which is was a big selling point to get me to watch it last year um before season two came out that you when you were discussing it last mm -hmm. year and then plus my friend danielle um wanting to we basically ended up watching season one together um like texting while we were watching it uh so that in of itself like made season one sort of significant for me in that i was like watching it with someone across the country after moving over here and so that was really significant for me but then just to ha being able to watch it since season two with her as well and then engage in like a discussion about about how badass the fight scenes were, how kind of annoying Will is, and um, that kind of a discussion, but also how much we just very much love Wolfgang. And we gotta save Wolf Wolfie! We gotta save Wolfie and want Wolfie to be okay. But all of that, I think, uh, contributes to also just really terrific fight scenes, like you were saying, and the action choreography is just really stellar on this show. But... Yeah, no, it just comes down to how deeply human it is and how their expansion of a world mythology becomes about expanding concepts of humanity. And I think that's a really significant thing to discuss and to have represented, even if it's apparently too expensive for Netflix. But, um, oh, yeah, but you know what? <laughs> the the resurrection for a finale movie yeah. Is one of the feel good TV stories of the year. So I'll take it. Thank you, Netflix. Yeah. At least we got two seasons in a movie if we couldn't get yeah. six. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no. So everything, I'll co sign everything you said. And yeah. just that it was significant for me this year as well. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to number eight. What is your number eight? Yeah. My number eight is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, ah. yours? No, it's not. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. okay, though. Yeah. It's just, it's probably like, I think. The sitcom, apart from one of the other shows, two of the other shows that I just look forward to the most. Um, I love the world. I love the characters. And as we sort of discussed last week regarding uh, Rose's coming out to everyone, uh, the diversity of its representation, its recognition of how it represents that representation, and also its just deep bench of characters and actors and its willingness to be both ridiculous but also to engage in like 
deeper stuff, even if it doesn't necessarily work like it does with profiling earlier this year, um, that there's there's an awareness of it as a cop show, but they don't they don't lean in hard enough for that to become like a hobbler hobbler for them. And they find ways to find humor in that, those kind of things of being a cop show this day and age. And I think that that's really important and their pivot to dealing with uh, representation, but also like willing to do a really ridiculous wedding run up to, which is just going to be so great in 2018. I cannot wait. That is the reason why it was in my top 10. Yeah, it it's a terrific show. This is again, like I said, this easily could have been in like my eleven through twenty. And yeah. it, it it you know, we talk about it on the show all the time. It's a great yeah. show and is a terrific cast and their handling of, of so much of what we saw this year was terrific. I mean <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think he's been in quite enough things for me to have him for the sixth man. Uh, but um, Toby Huss as the, the um, and, and Jake having that <laughs> discussion about his prison's going to be terrible. Yeah, but not as bad as it is for trans people. Oh, no, they got it rough. Oh. Like, like yeah. finding little <laughs> moments like that in yeah. the midst to have like a, a moment of like a, a comment and awareness of some much harsher realities than... Yeah. You know, the the ridiculousness of everything else with the crumbled up ramen. You know, like, this is yeah. a show that's equally comfort, comfortable doing both. Equally do, comfortable doing that amazing profiling episode like you referenced. And, and Rose's so well-handled coming out as bi. And also just, like, whatever the ridiculousness was um, with... Uh, the, with Fredo in this last week's episode with the Fredo of this yeah. crime family who just like, look, is that your uncle's car? <laughs> We're never going to well, I'm never going to see birds. those birds. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, and those are such, those are individually hard to do to pivot back and forth so seamlessly and so effortless, so seemingly effortlessly um, right. takes a particularly uh, well-run show and um, everybody being very committed to, to, to the show and knowing it so well. So I think it's a great pick. Uh, my number eight is Queen Sugar. So let's talk about it. All right. Yeah. Um, so why was it your number? I mean, eight and nine is not really a big difference yeah. um, in the long run. So why why was it your number eight? Well, I, let's focus on... The good? The, <laughs> like the reasons that it's on our top ten. Yeah. That's because yeah. it is it was week in and week out a terrific show. Mm-hmm. And it had... Really terrific performances, direction, editing, music. Like I, again, the the writing for these characters, especially somebody like Nova. We've seen so many shows do that character so poorly, mm-hmm. um, and and they the grace that they give that character and the way that they handle her like attempts to speak for her community and everything like. The, the difficulty level on that is high. The difficulty level yeah. on Charlie and her Walter White stuff is much lower. <laughs> it's, they still do a good job with it, but, but like, we've seen lots of shows do that. We, I haven't seen lots of shows handle the kind of stuff that they give, uh, that they gave Nova last year and this year as well. Um, the, I think it's just the worst, but that's, it's part of what the show does well because yeah. it's it's they're willing to have one of their characters just be the worst um while never letting you forget why he is the way that he is and what has shaped him and making him very so very human this year the the thread that we had um around police brutality and trauma and PTSD was again expertly handled and then that's not even talking about like like Darla 
and the the respect and the care given that character every time you you felt you if you didn't know the show well enough to to trust the writers which at this point they've earned our trust i think um you would constantly be waiting for them to betray that character and they never do and it's just an absolutely beautiful look at family and an under, like we were talking about with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, an underrepresented portion of America. Not just because they're black, but because of where they live, what their background is, and and like the kinds of stories it would benefit us all to have much more prominent on all of our television. I wish everybody got own so they had the option of watching. Uh, when I'm looking at different critics' top 10 list, top 20 list, top 50 list, and Legion's on there, and Queen Sugar isn't. And Handmaid's Tale's on there, and Queen Sugar isn't. And all these, like, it's like, I just, are any of you watching the show? Because, yes, for us, I think I can speak for you, Nolfa Farris, it wasn't as good as last year because of some, like, little tweaks at the end of the season. But I have a hard time understanding how someone would be watching Queen Sugar and not recognize it for how terrific a show it is and a portrait of of humanity and different types of intersecting humanity. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really excellent point because I, I like didn't study very closely like uh hit fixes, big critic poll. Yeah. Um, Uproxx. Uproxx. Sorry, not hit fix anymore. They, they but used Uproxx. to do it. Yeah. 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 Well now they do it over there. Um, I, and I didn't study it like super closely uh, apart from going like Legion was really low on the overall list, which was surprising. But then I just was like, but, where's queen sugar and why is bitter call Saul so high yeah and this kind of stuff is just like i don't understand that and we ran into this issue as well where like a lot of people put out like their mid-year lists Mm -hmm. and we were both just like uh wtf Uh, queen sugar is on it's like number one or number two right now for the year it's real good (laughs) yeah like by that point it was just like it's the dead of summer they had either just finished or were just about, they had just like finished like yeah. the first half of the season. It's just like, guys, I don't understand what you're missing here. And so it's just, like you said, so well directed. And the points that we were making about humanity and humanism in regards to Sensei carry through here, because I mean, we see that, like you were saying with Darla, we see it extended to Micah um, mm-hmm. this season. Um, and then, but also just like, you didn't mention them. And it's just like, Vi and Hollywood are everything, Kate. Well, and everything. I didn't mention them because I was about to say, like, (laughs) for every one of those, like, best couples of the year, every person who put John and Danny from Game of Thrones, are you, did you watch that just terrible sex scene? Because, Zom, you need to go watch Queen Sugar and appreciate Vi and Hollywood because (laughs) obviously this just whole thing is ridiculous that you would put John and Danny on there. But you don't have Vi in Hollywood. Yeah, because they're Absurd. everything. Yeah. They're, they're relationship goals, hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep, absolutely. Oh. <sighs> Queen Sugar. We love you, Queen mm-hmm. Sugar. Uh, yes, the, we the, do. the only reason it's not higher for me is because the turn at the end with Charlie yep. felt manufactured. We've talked about this on the show. You, yeah, whereas mine, a lot of it has to do with the sheer unwillingness to say the words paternity test. Yeah, um, that was also very stupid. That's and it's stupid. just like, this solves this issue right now, but no one's going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, like, this was like my number three show last year. Yeah. Um. So while it didn't plummet as far as, like, Steven did for you, it fell, like, a fairly significant 
for like a top 10 show to fall from like the top tier to all the way to like almost the bottom is uh, is a bit of a drop yeah um what is your number seven my number seven steven universe <laughs> okay let's talk about it let's talk about it um so i i freely acknowledge that a lot of this is also motivated by the fact that i've watched the episodes that haven't technically aired yet um oh but by the time people hear this they have aired <laughs> so not all of them most of um, them enough yeah, of, them. of them they're all airing yeah. this year so it, yeah it's they're legit. all airing this year so it's yeah. legit um and i really liked those episodes as well and how they dealt with the fallout of the homeworld arc which i also really really enjoyed um and well, I don't think that the show was as emotionally involving as it is, has been and is capable of being. A lot of this was like narrative and world building and sort of like almost I'm dreading saying end end game constructing. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, that gets me a little antsy. Um, but they they've very consistently just never forgotten Stephen's journey or perspective in a lot of this, especially mm -hmm. after he comes back from Homeworld. And it's really good and it's still really rewarding. It's not as good and as rewarding as it was the past two years when it <laughs> topped both of our lists. Yeah. But I still really enjoyed it. And I think one of the reasons that it's so high for me is also the fact that what they do with Lars, just like, I, I was jumping up and down, Kate. I was just like ecstatic with what they were doing with Lars. And I can't wait to see what they do uh, come freaking january mm -hmm. um for more stuff with lars but it's just i think that their their deployment especially this season uh well this year of some of their bench their like beach city folks mm -hmm. um has been just really really good in a way that i really appreciate and then everything that they do within like 11 minutes with lapis in raising the barn um you know how much I love Lapis and how much Lapis means to me. She's the best. And so yeah, that entire episode is just like gut punching. But it's also an episode that acknowledges how really valid everyone's perspective within that situation is. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things like, again, we keep talking about empathy and that sort of thing. And Steven Universe still makes room for that. So that's why it's so high on my list um <laughs> but it's also probably just inertia and the fact residual feelings but i mean it's still like it fell six spots um yeah. so that's that's kind of a big deal for a show that we both love at least for me and it fell like 17, 17 spots for, spots. for yes. you so, so the, yeah, the reason talk. it fell 17 spots for me is not i don't know how much it's steven universe's fault and it's more where we are in the story that they're telling. Yes, and I we're, think that's very valid. We're in a fallow period, and we had such highs last calendar year. Mm -hmm, and we mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. more really great stuff coming. It's obvious that there's a yes. lot of really great stuff coming. So, like you said, for me, there was a lot of table setting this year. And when I looked at the list of episodes that aired in 2017, yeah. there were a handful that I thought were terrific and that I really loved. And then there yeah. were most of them where I was like, oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. And in this list, oh, yeah, that was a good one, isn't enough for me. Yeah. Uh, so that is why it is so low. I didn't have that same emotional draw yeah. to, to much of it. Um, I agree the stuff we have coming the rest of this year as we record that listeners have hopefully seen most of by now um, yeah. is terrific. And there's, you know, there's we'll talk about it maybe next year. 
Yeah. When we get to the start of 2018. But uh, there's, so there's, there's really terrific stuff coming. But when I looked at some of these other shows, I was like, I can't look at the list of Adventure Time episodes and look at the list of Steven Universe episodes. And for me, say that Steven was better than Adventure Time this year. Like, mm-hmm. it was just not true. Like, Steven yeah. is great and they've done so much wonderful stuff. And I know that I can tell there's so much wonderful stuff coming. But if I have to gauge on only these episodes... That's where it is for me. Um, so so I agree with everything that you were saying. And it is, you know, just a flu. When I look at the series runs as a whole, right. Steven will be much higher than some of these other ones on this list. But yeah, absolutely. For where we are right now, that that is why. So Steven Universe fans, I, I still love you. I still love the show. <laughs> I as Obviously, Rebecca Sugar is listening to this. So just, you know, you keep doing you. And, uh, and, and I look forward to 2018. And I'm sure it'll be higher on my list in 2018. Yeah. So what was your seven? Um, my number seven is The Keepers, which I don't believe you watched. Oh, cool. No, I did not watch. So yeah, but you've 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 talked to me a little bit about this and I just never made the time to watch it. So yeah. tell me a little bit about, tell me and our listeners, because you didn't really discuss it this year too much, I don't think. No, no, no. no. Tell, tell us about The Keepers. The Keepers is a documentary about a group of women um, who are in their like 50s, 60s, dealing with, you know, like some of them are, are survivors of assault and are have been dealing with that for their whole lives. But the main protagonists are these women who had a really strong connection to a teacher when they were in school. And that teacher wound up uh, murdered. And, uh, and so they have decided to use their spare time to solve that to like she went missing and to solve that and figure out what happened to her and it's incredible and they they wind up uncovering a massive conspiracy of sexual assault in the church and at their school and um and it's incredibly powerful these women are so amazing such total just heroes like we don't need the super they're just heroes um and it shows the strength of these women and the power of these women and how much they are underestimated, how much they are not respected, and what capability there is in each one of us to to have tremendous impact on the world around us and to bring great joy and great solace to those who have experienced tremendous heartache and pain. It is incredibly compelling. It is the appropriate length. Uh, so many of these are a little too long or maybe too short. It is the appropriate number of episodes. It can be utterly gutting and wrenching to watch. But it is also so beautiful and so brave of these women to be willing to be in this, especially the women who are survivors of assault, who've spent decades trying to deal with it, and to to go on camera and talk about their stories and their experiences and potentially trigger themselves again and like pull up all this stuff out of a sense of needing to tell the truth, needing to try to get answers and hopefully help other people at the same time. Uh, absolutely riveting television. Anyone inspired by the, by the Me Too, Me Too movement, like this is again, this is only more compelling and relevant now. Um, it's just like this fluke of when it came out. It came out earlier this this year. Um, it, it came out like in May, but um, yeah, just the strength of these women. It's inspiring. It's absolutely beautiful and inspiring. And I hope some people will listen to this and will go seek it out. If you are a survivor of assault, 
be warned, this may not be for you. It may be too triggering. But if if that is not if so if that is something you are willing to to take on, if you are able to 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 watch con like documentaries and content that deals with these issues, I cannot recommend it more highly. So that is why it is my number seven. No, that sounds really good. Um, I remember you mentioning it to me um, a little bit and thinking about wanting to check it out. But then I was just like, I don't know if I have the mental and emotional bandwidth for this right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so I haven't, but um, I'll try and carve out time soon for it. Yeah, I, I would look forward to your thoughts if if you do. And again, anyone who doesn't have the like the space for that right now, the like emotional and mental space for that, I totally get it. It's yeah, not like yeah. parts of this are not an easy watch, mm -hmm. but if you can, I think it's worth it. So yeah. that's why it's in my list. What is your number six? Uh, my number six is one day at a time. That's going to um, be on my list very briefly. Let's okay. wait a moment because my number yeah. six is one Mississippi. Oh, cool. Let's discuss one Mississippi. Yeah, I, I pretty much loved it. And this is one of those ones that stuck. It just stuck with me a little bit more than Brooklyn yeah. Nine-Nine. Which sure. is why, like, it's on my list and it's not uh, on yours as high. Um, the the performances are terrific. The mm -hmm. the respect and love for those characters overall is terrific. I I had less of a problem with some of the characters than you did, like Beulah and some of the others. Um, yeah. so that probably informs its placement as well. But yeah. um, like, come on, Felicia, <laughs> Felicia's the best. We love Felicia, and so and and just. <sighs> The, I just, I feel like I'm such a broken record. The humanity of these characters is inspiring and powerful and I love it. And I'm so glad that this show got us a season two and a season three that it's, you know, jostled the door a little bit for me too with its, with its like, no, we're going to talk about Louis C.K. We can't say that we're talking about Louis C.K., but we're going to do that. We're going to talk about what assault is and what it doesn't have to be, um, and um to to still be assault uh the and all that on top of just these really lovely performances from the the entire cast uh, the the sense of place and time is palpable the uh warmth and the very very dry humor is delightful and i'm very glad it was on tv this year yeah, and I think one of the other things i really appreciated is that it's a really good sort of a coming aware story um as opposed to sort of like a coming out story if you will yeah and so i really appreciated how they handle that and how they um depict both tig's interest and desire particularly with that like that musical um number yeah. um is so keys. good yeah yeah Bring it's so keys, good yeah. And then, but like you were saying, again, like the treatment of characters and the respect, but also how it deals with trauma and abuse and the impacts that that has on how we respond to other people and how we respond to other situations and w how we can be stronger, better, more emotional, um, aware of ourselves and one another is like really central to the show. and. The only other thing I'll say is like the appreciation for Tig's Jansport backpack. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's fantastic and it's it's very good. So no, I love One Mississippi and it's I'm so glad that we we got another season and we're getting another season. Um mm -hmm. so yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I because wh- when I think of this season, I think of the stuff with with obviously Tig and Kate, and yeah. I think of the stuff with Felicia and Bill. But I also think of Desiree, just like looking at Bill and just hugging him at the yeah. end, and it's it's beautiful, and it comes from a place of pain, um, because it comes from Tig talking about her experiences and opening up about you know some of some of her trauma in her past on the radio in a way that Bill was not prepared for her to do. But to take a character that was so much of a joke for so much of the season and to then turn that character, yeah, it was really it was really lovely. So more on that next week. But for now, let's take a little break, listen to some music, and we'll come back with our top five. Someone just came in the door Like no one I've ever seen before I feel, I feel don't know where you came from. I wish I did. I feel so dumb. I feel your swagger and your bearing and the just right clothes you're wearing. Your short hair and your dungarees and your lace-up boots. back what is your number five uh my number five is totally on your list um it's descending stories show or ginku roku or Rakugo. <laughs> um it, it's it's the talking storytelling anime kate yeah that uh, i meant to watch but i ran out of time to watch but i do want to watch <laughs> yeah no so um it's descending stories uh which you can watch on crunchyroll and you should because it's fantastic um obviously because it's on my number five mm-hmm. um i sort of wish I had gotten the first season uh-huh. um, to be able to put on this list, which I think is a little bit stronger than the second season. But this is a show that deals with how we tell stories and the value of those stories, both as cultural, but also as individuals and what that means as what this means to be a storyteller. And I think that's really a significant thing that we don't necessarily talk enough about sometimes um without being like kind of smug and meta and there's nothing deeply smug and meta about this show it's very earnest and it's very emotionally engaged with how the the telling of stories is both a privilege and honor but it's also an immense burden that needs to be respected and appreciated but how it's also difficult to carry that burden in a time in which especially in this particular season, less so than in the previous season, how 
the changing of times makes that burden very difficult and very challenging. And so the degree to which things are human and emotional, because these are stories about human beings, that um, these very gifted storytellers are relaying to an ever-dwindling audience. I think it's just, it's really, it's really important as a show that does that. And as we talk about, like, diversification of stories but also a nichification of how we get those stories the degree to which we lose things um both in terms of culture as stories that basically took place hundreds of years ago and are being told again through this storytelling method versus how we even go to the point where we're at the point where major public major publications are like you know what hbo's really cut its teeth on improving the miniseries and that television didn't exist until now we're like past the sopranos that like it didn't exist until after the sopranos now and so that we're rapidly losing even our medium's history through streaming rights through the fact that we're acting like john adams laid the groundwork for big little lies and yeah. it's just kind of ridiculous. And this is a show very much about memory and storytelling. And that's why it's on here in addition to being a deeply human, deeply emotional, family-driven story. So I really encourage everyone to check this out, um, provided you have the time to do that, because it is sometimes a little bit of a slog because it's not done. So you have to really devote your time to reading the subtitles in this case to really get the full effect of everything. But you should do it. And that's why it's my number five. And it sort of represents, for me, at least in my list, a turning point to this was really, really good. This really stuck with me. But these next four things for me really were good and really stuck with me. So that's sort of where this marks for me. Um, Yeah, so I'll stop rambling now, but go everyone watch it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what's fascinating for me is I'm confident that three of our top four are the same. Mm-hmm. And one of them you don't watch. One of mine you yeah. don't watch. So I'm fascinated to know what your other one is. Uh, yeah. But my number five is One Day at a Time. So let's talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, God. One right, day so at a time. So good. Basically, basically, it was just like, did this air this year? I feel like it didn't air this year. Wait, no, it aired immediately after the new year. And it was the solve on my soul following <laughs> the election. <laughs> so, right. So, no, this is just... I think that this is one of those things where it was just a massive surprise because mm-hmm. I don't think Netflix had really promoted it and then they dropped it and we all just went, oh, this is so good. This is very good on all levels. So why don't you tell me why it was so good? It was so good because it was so funny and it was so <laughs> human and it was so ridiculous and it was so <laughs> wrenching and it was so topical and it was so universal and it was so, so much. And all of it very well. It took a couple yeah. episodes to get going. I watched the first yes. episode, was nonplussed, was like, that's all the best. And then I sat down and watched a few more. And by like episode four, I was like, yeah. okay, this show's awesome. And then we got the coffee dance. And then we got the 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 waiting on the phone for oh, Veterans gosh. Affairs. And then we got the end of season arc. We got Carmen and the immigration status. We got everything. I mean, I, I still feel like it's a spoiler, even though it's, yeah. the end, it's like a year later. We got the end and of the, the season arc. season's about to come out in like three weeks. <laughs> yeah. And it was so, so good. Um, 
Yeah, any show that ends in a group hug and has me feel like they earned it. Like, yes. Well done. Um, yeah, I still feel like a lot of people didn't necessarily watch this when it was on. Right, and I think that's fair. And, like, I don't want to spoil a lot of it either. Right? In that same way. Because, like, we all talked about it for, like, a week mm-hmm. in January. <laughs> And then we just sort of never talked about it again until, like, Jane the Virgin came up. And we were just like, this is, we can think of some better uses for Justine, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but, yeah, no, it's just, it's so deeply good. And the fact that it's gotten, like, zero awards attention mm-hmm. is deeply frustrating. I mean, I can understand Come sort on. of, like... Will and Grace, obviously. Right. Ignoring, like, letting the show, like, kind of build a little bit of momentum. But Mm. I'm just like, but Rita Moreno is an icon. She is an institution. (laughs) The fact that you do not recognize her even just because of who she is is a problem. Yeah. And she's also just fabulous on this show. The lady can open a curtain. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) She does it multiple times. It's very good every time. You know she just, like, practiced that consistently. But no, it's just just so funny and so honest in ways that something that you can, again, and we've we've talked about this when we talked about One Day at a Time at the beginning of this year, or when we've talked about the Carmichael show, that because of its structure, because of its format as a multicam sitcom that really embraces being sort of a proscenium arch sitcom in a lot of ways, that you can get away with being a little theatrical, with being a little stagey, with doing an episode in which you just have the phone as a prop, and then you get that payoff. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yeah, it's, it's, very it's good. getting a little dusty in here as I talk about this <laughs> with Noel right. here. Or um, the support, the support meeting episode, the sequences that yeah. she sort of like starts to go to. It's just, it's all very good and it's all very real and in a way that I think you can yeah. only get in this kind of a show. The discussion around is Penelope going to take meds for depression. Um, It like her, her status as a veteran and her, her, the episode where we find out that she's making less money than her male colleague who hasn't been there as long and is not as good as she is. Like this is a show that could tackle these really significant issues that, that people face, but that women face that women of color face disproportionately yes. and and handle it all so well and so thoughtfully and so respectfully um yeah it was compelling entertaining super fun and funny and ridiculous at times television and <sighs> elena and her quinceanera dress more on this next week for best costumes um so i'm giving away too many of my smorgasbord picks but um any other uh, elements of the show you want to talk about um schneider without a beard is just weird and <laughs> that's not okay <laughs> oh yeah they i had so much fun with how they use schneider and like and like and like when the way that they didn't use him you yes know? the way that they didn't is really significant and important yeah yeah good stuff okay let's tear ourselves away and let's go to number four so right so Number four is the show that you probably don't have. Okay. Um, and this was a show that snuck up on me and I really loved it very deeply. Mm-hmm. And this is Danger and Eggs. 
Oh, yeah. I don't have it because I still haven't finished it. I know. I know. But I really love what I did. And now I'm even more happy that your package from Comic-Con didn't completely get eaten by the mail. But it's a beautiful, wonderful show. And I'm very, very glad it's on your list. Talk to us about Danger and Eggs. Right. So Danger and Eggs is, I think, saying it's the most significant, like, uh, children's targeted programs in steven universe i think is both understatement and overstatement a little mm-hmm. bit but it's such it's it's a progressive show that wears that progressiveness on its sleeve and i really like that about it and while still not um like being preachy um that it in- integrates characters of different um sexual orientations um gender identities and doesn't bother to explain what that means and just expects to show the audience, I should say, to understand and to keep up with it. But also, if they don't understand and don't keep up with it, to go and figure it out and to educate themselves. Because while the show is responsible for... It considers itself responsible for depicting these characters, it doesn't take responsibility for educating its audience about these characters and expects their audience to do that themselves which is as our scope of who we as how we expand our moral circles of who we appreciate and who we accept into our lives it's not on them to educate us it's on us to educate ourselves and so that message comes through within danger of danger and eggs and how it represents those characters and i think that's really significant and really important the other thing is is that it's a show in which an egg wears a safety helmet safety pads on (laughs) elbows and knees that are just sticks stick lines and is always very concerned about safety and he's just a giant egg kate and he's got a helmet and philip is so cute and I I just love this show very, very much because while it's doing all this really progressive political representation stuff, it's deeply funny and it's deeply like fantastic in terms of it's there's a whole under underground world underneath this park that these two people very much love or they're just like there's a virtual reality AI satellite system that crashed (laughs) into the park and formed a weird sort of thing but all it wants is to be friends and it's just (laughs) it's all very good and it like takes a bunch of like kids show tropes and just sort of runs with them and turns them on their heads in really delightful ways um so i i just i love danger and eggs a lot and it made me happy and it made me laugh a lot and philip's just so good yeah it's just so good kate um so yeah no so that's why danger and eggs is my number four uh it's just beautiful and really elegant and it's a show that's great for both kids and their families and normalizes so many things Mm -hmm. um that is so important to normalize that i wish i just wish that this was on something like public television that its scope was could go beyond people who can afford to pay for prime basically mm-hmm. and so but it's so good and it's so lovely and even more than like the bold type this is like a big advocacy pick for me um that i wanted to have on my list in sub capacity but when i was like pull it, putting it together i just went no no this is top five um so yeah mm-hmm. so danger and eggs danger and eggs 
Wonderful. And if there was ever any greater motivation I needed to make sure I <laughs> sit down and watch. I just hate the Prime thing so much. It's so hard to watch their stuff. Anyways, that's not a good reason. I will finish watching it before the end of the year. And then we can talk about in 2018 how wrong I was to not have it in my top 20. Uh, my number four is The Good Place. So It's my number three, so let's just dig in. Let's just dig in. Uh, so what the fork? Just like the most... <laughs> entertaining and ridiculous and like spinning on the edge of completely disaster disastrously failing comedy we've seen in a long time and just when you think like like the, the finale gets a lot of discussion because it's amazing because it's one of the yes. best season one finales i've ever seen but yes. it's not just one episode it's not just a finale it's the show's uh philosophy it's the show's interest in in a discussion of humanity and ethics and what makes us who we are and whether we have control of that or whether we don't and what what the state of human existence is and what the meaning is and what the value is um i can't think i'm looking at my shows here very few like the top four here actually do have this conversation but most shows on tv don't have that conversation and it's all that, and it's also hilarious almost every week. I mean, the trolley problem, come on. Are you going to say five Shakespeare's and one Santa? <laughs> <laughs> you say five Shakespeare's. Um, <laughs> no, so no, like the season one, like this was number seven on my list uh, last year. Mm -hmm. um, but it was because we hadn't gotten Michael's Gambit yet. Yeah. Because um, it aired this year and we hadn't gotten that delicious Ted Danson evil laugh. Oh yet. my God, it's so good. It's so good. And yeah. like, spoiler alert, line delivery, that counts. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> um, but also like we got Chidi's Choice this year, which is basically just going back to Shakespeare. It's basically like a Shakespearean comedy in a 30 minute 22 minute episode of like everyone gets married off at the end <laughs> while they're all trying to figure out who everyone else wants to hook up with Janet and Michael get not Janet and Michael Janet and Jason get married and so that happens but then it all comes mm. back in Janet and Michael which is just like such a terrific episode and so like their ability to continue sort of that thread from a okay Eleanor needs to be a good person to we all need to be better people in a state in which it doesn't count anymore. And it speaks like a lot of to the degree to which ethics and morality are performative in terms of like, well, this is what you do when no one's looking and that's what matters type of thing. And then this becomes a show about, well, it doesn't matter. So why are you doing it still? And this constant need for improvement and betterment and is is a thread that runs through a lot of the shows that you and I talk about and both of us really enjoy is that degree to which humanity can improve itself and improve how it connects to itself. And I, The Good Place is just so very good at engaging in those conversations, especially as like we sort of deal with the fact that Michael now has to figure out how to be good in a way that increasingly doesn't feel like he's just torturing these people anymore. And so, but then they do really funny stuff. Like 
an automated shrimp machine or <laughs> with a mystery oh flavor. <laughs> White chocolate is terrible. Yeah, no, not good. Mm, no, nope. And she's still eating it. <laughs> oh, but also just like Manzukis mm-hmm. and Derek and just everything. And you don't leave a Ferrari in a garage, Kate. You don't. <laughs> don't leave a Ferrari in a garage. And well, like just, Janet, the, yeah. the the journey they took Janet on, like that was a great character to start with. Yeah. But the show, it's just a very smart show. It's run by people who've done this a lot. And they know when the show needs, when it has enough to, to deal with that it, it can stay where it's at and keep going and, and, and not run out. And it knows when it's time to change. It's not afraid of change. And it knew like, yes, we've been getting terrific mileage out of Janet, but that is going to have diminishing returns. So it's time for us to start having her grow and change as a character rather than continually reset. And I mean, all the performances are amazing. The, the whole cast, the entire ensemble is terrific. Um, and, that is the character that is the, the that has the most potential, I think, um, and and offers the most to the actor. And and Darcy Carden knocks it out of the park every time. Like when she's like b- b- glitching and breaking, and she's like everything's fine. And it's just like the room spins off into nothingness. Like oh my god, the performances. It's just so funny. They take really terrific scripts with really really tight editing and really. Uh, precise and effective direction and they still elevate it with their performances it's yeah. it's hilarious it's a hilarious show that wants to be so much more and succeeds in both and that's very rare michael no don't kill me i i, I have hamilton tickets and, and they say rumor to be is coming, coming back <laughs> <laughs> which is a joke that in like five years is going to be very funny but it's very funny it's very right funny now. right now yeah right but also, like, um, Manny Jacinto, who plays um, Jason, is just... I haven't seen Stupid played with this much elegance. It comes minus the self-importance. But since Ted Knight played Ted Baxter <laughs> in the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Like... Yeah. But there's such care given to this. And that's the same sort of care that Knight gave to Ted Baxter. And that's the same thing that they do that's done with Jason. And that this is just such dolt. But he cares mm-hmm. so much about whatever it is that he actually cares about. Whether or not it's a 60-person dance crew, his best homie, uh-huh. or Tahani. Which, by the way, you're still not selling me on Jason and Tahani show. Nope. But, but okay. We'll still go with you. We'll still go with you because it's all very well done. And it's just... It's... Yeah, no, the performances are just, like, top to bottom, just so good. And, yeah, it's just, oh, it's so good, Kate. That's, Le- that's sort of how I reduce myself when talking about the show, <laughs> is that I just end up going, it's just so good, Kate. I don't want to explain it anymore. It's just very good. Well, let's, let's shout out Jamila Jamil, William Jackson Harper as, as Tahani and as Chidi, because yeah. especially Harper, that's usually oh. a very, like, a more thankless role, and he just yeah. grounds so much. And then Kristen Bell is... So amazing. Last week we were talking about Veronica Mars. So great there. And I'm so glad she found a second or made happen a second project that is like an all time 
great performance and show and such a perfect vehicle for her. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's real good, guys. It's, it's real good. So we're going to, we've run out of interesting and thoughtful things to say, and we're just going to start, you know, you know, Chris Farley showing this. So let's move on to, to my number three, yeah. uh, which is Halt and Catch Fire. It's my number two, so let's go. Yep, let's, let's do this. Yeah. Um, it's so beautiful. It is. It's just, it's a gorgeous and beautiful and lyrical show about technology as a means to an end. It takes technology and it uses technology to explore humanity and connection. And spoiler alert, if you've noticed a theme and a trend in the TV I connect to, it's about connection. It's about the characters and it's about two former best friends maybe potential best friends again standing in a dark room with phoenix over their head and it's about baby mine from i'm gonna start crying from dumbo and it's about what we remember and why and when we can grow and when we have to stay the same and it's about dancing in a garage to an old radio i love it so much i'm so glad we got four seasons I know. Um, yeah, it, it's it's so aggressively about connections. And I mean, we talked about this when Dennis came on. Yeah. And uh, to talk about the end of the season and that we kept saying the thing that gets you to the thing. Yeah. And that the, the show was aggressively about being about that and the connections that drive us, whether it's working on the same project or whether it's sort of a designing a whole video game that's basically probably just for one person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though you're like pitching it as this like way to push the medium forward, you're just like, no, Cameron. No. no, you miss your home, and Donna's your <laughs> you home. You miss your home, exactly. And you made it for the one person in the entire like known world that you understand that would find that friggin' invisible ladder, <laughs> and all of that, and just yeah. I mean, like you talk, you mentioned the Phoenix, and I just like yes, but I also how that entire sequence plays out. But I also go to, I've got an idea, mm-hmm. and it's just like. Yes, <laughs> that's it. That's everything. But also, on um, like beyond like that kind of a sort of like human and perf- character level, just its approach to technology is just really delightful, and the way that it embraced the fact that they always had to fail, um, yeah, is really just delightful. It's not like oh no, we're, this is an alternate universe in which. Haley's Comet beat out Be- Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yahoo beat out. This is how this works. And the fact that that was actually like a running thing throughout the show, even in season one, which is a thing that we just kind of pretend doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> um, was a thing that happened in season one and con- they continued with. And it became to very large degrees shows about recovering from failure. And what we learn from that and what we draw from that whether it's 
Cameron and Donna's like ups and down relationship or um, the degrees to which Joe is constantly reinventing himself after each successive version of himself had too many glitches and too many bugs until finding the one that he ends up in the Department of Humanities after not being human enough in yeah. a lot of ways in season one. Um, so that degree of like trying to find your way after a failure and how all that works is just really, really beautiful, I think. And I really, I really love that about the show, which is why I was like, my number two is just like, even with setbacks, both personal, but also professional, the show was about people recovering from those and making sure that they didn't wallow in them mm -hmm. and that you can only find that necessarily in the people who know those versions of you, which gets us to like Donna and Gordon's relationship and the idea that, no, these are all just the versions of you and I love you. Mm hmm. It's just deeply powerful. And so, yeah, no, that's why it's my number two. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. And that's why it's my number three. Yeah. And um, Bob's getting Joe to eat some chili. You oh, know, God. like the little moments, the, the direction, yeah. the use of music, the editing, the 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 absolute triumph of a line like um oh you you found it you yeah. like the end you know like well there aren't many people like you there aren't many players like you or whatever it was like those had such impact and such power and like a look or um an angle could tell you so much about a character watching gordon and cam play video games you know and and the girls and and their their journeys through the season and the tension between you know between Joni and and uh and Donna and the ways they're too similar and the ways they're too different and just a, again a deeply human a lovely and powerful show and that's why it's my number three and my number two is The Leftovers which you don't watch and everything we've said <laughs> about Halt and Catch Fire is like also true about The Leftovers <laughs> and I don't know why you don't watch it but that's okay because I do, and I love it, and that's why it's my because number two. Because I didn't have HBO for a very long time. Yeah, but you do now. I do now, but I didn't have time to catch up on it. <sighs> okay, I'll, I'm, well, I can't really say too much, can I? Because I still haven't watched Danger and Eggs, so. I was about to say, like, Danger and Eggs is significantly less of a commitment to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. That's true. And Danger and Eggs won't just, like, leave you Got unable you. to breathe. Right. Um, function <laughs> but danger and eggs also doesn't have a sex lion so you know or does it no it doesn't no it doesn't because that would be very that no. would not be good anyway continue. it doesn't have god who hands out baseball cards <laughs> it doesn't have time travel and parallel universes and not time travel i should say parallel universes and utter loss and utter exhilaration and it, oh god the cinematography the performances the direction the writing everything about this show it's immaculate and it is unafraid to go all in on absolutely bizarre 
um, ideas. Like the parallel universe where one of the characters is the president, but also an assassin sent to kill the president, who's his own twin brother. He doesn't know he has. Like, sure. And it makes complete sense when you're watching it, and it's amazing. But when you describe it, you sound like a crazy person. Um, you sound like a crazy person, <laughs> but that's okay. Continue. <laughs> um, it has such achingly beautiful depictions of 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 characters trying to recover from unimaginable loss and finding life in each other and when that's enough and when it's not and it's it's it like characters sitting in the rain and and tear and like and like the rain is her tear as just like the 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 shot of that and and the the comfort with silence and the comfort with the camera right in your face and the actors able to to make that work and to 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 draw from that like this is a all-time great show this is a for those who are saying oh tv hasn't been good since breaking bad the leftovers is as good as breaking bad the leftovers is as good as mad men the leftovers is as good as the sopranos but because a lot of the characters are challenging women, it doesn't get the same conversation uh, from a lot of people. That's at least that's my opinion. It's more of an ensemble thing. It's not about a great but difficult man, and it's a different kind of. And the first season is challenging. Don't get me wrong; I understand that the first season is hard to watch at times, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it if you can. If, if you can. Um, so I. I don't know what else to say about The Leftovers that other people haven't said. That I don't know. There's nothing I can say about The Leftovers that'll be anywhere near as affecting as what Mo Ryan has written about it. So go over to, to Variety and read most pieces about The Leftovers. But um, it's truly beautiful uh, and at times very challenging television. And that's why it is my number two. So we both have number one. Yeah, Crazy the, ex-girlfriend. I, yes, it is. How did you know? <laughs> because it had to be. Because that was all those left. Yeah, no, it's all. Hey, I could have picked. No, you couldn't have. Else. No, I couldn't have. No. Um, I, I was while I was talking about Lady Dynamite, I thought about how I ended up bookending my top ten with shows about women and mental health, and. I just, I was very happy that that was just sort of a serendipitous thing that I ended up doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, where do you want to start? Um, hmm. with this, because yeah, like, I mean, I, when I was making my list, I will say that one of the things while I was making it was just like the top three I like sort of like really struggled with in a way of like, is the good place the number one or is it? It's a crazy axe. It might be. It's not Halt. I know it's not Halt, but I, I felt really good about Halt being number two. But I was just I couldn't decide, and a lot of it boiled down to the fact that I think that this, the first this first half of season three has just been so good, and it, the, it got me past sort of like my hangups about the finale that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just went, no, no. This is a show that um, embraces, like, the degrees to which we hurt ourselves without maybe not necessarily being aware of it. And the degrees to which those around us want to help us and then maybe get stuck or them, themselves by wanting to help 
maybe too much as mm-hmm. i can attest as being someone who is like that yeah um which is probably why i like paula so much <laughs> <laughs> um but it's also just it's so funny and so really honest about its characters and how it views its characters and refuses to it refuses to not back away or to well with the exception of nathaniel soften the characters in some way but nathaniel needed to be softened to fit into this show in a way Mm -hmm. um because otherwise he didn't fit um and he didn't make sense and he was too much of an aberration within the show's overall world uh but now he sort of fits yeah and but so much of the show is just about that journey to fix yourself and to like recover from whatever it is that is hurting you in some way shape or form and like is like very nicely encapsulated by greg leaving Mm -hmm. um even if it is sort of a well we only had him for so many episodes (laughs) and we sort of needed to wrap it up but that it's encapsulated by that and like he gets out he's able to be as we find out happy at emory in alana and i think it's just it's 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 a show that i i think i used up all my eloquence over the past three slots <laughs> um so i'm gonna turn it over to you to talk a little bit more um about it but i'm really glad that we both picked this for our number one yeah well it's because it it again like I, we've said about other shows it is so much and so well And it is always funny. It is always human. It is always interesting. It is almost always challenging. Mm -hmm. It is full of terrific performances. It is full of uh, thought and awareness and and concern for everyone on the screen and people who aren't on the screen. It is very aware of its audience and what it is saying and the impact that may have. And it's a song and dance musical with really great music, almost every episode and amazing music. Sometimes that it tells its story through its characters, it tells the story through its writing, through its plot. It tells its story through its music, through its costuming, through its design and, and dance. It It is always trying to do more and to be more, honest and truthful in everything it does and it does that without ever sacrificing the 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 humor uh even in the absolute darkest moments there is humor and that makes it all the more real and all the more affecting um so it is a true miracle of a show it's amazing what they do every even the episodes that i'm not too hot on like it's still amazing what they do yeah, and the and a lot of it like boils down to the fact that I mean, they're staging musical numbers with the same amount of like production time that shows have. Yeah. Um and going like, "No, we got this." And sometimes we're going to do 3 or 4 in a single episode. Yeah. And they're all going to be influenced by major musicals that you all recognize. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the degree to which that they have that competency but also that uh, that verve, uh, that willingness to do that, I think is just 
really impressive and it's really i think within like the second half of season two and the beginning of season three this year is just it's a show that really came into its own um especially after they sort of like figured out like the degrees to which that they needed a plot stuff but also the degrees to which they needed to allocate space for writing songs (laughs) um and making sure that they had the time to do that and figuring all that out like played really significantly and early renewals from the cw really helps with that sort of thing um so but yeah it's just it's the the fact that this is a show like you were talking about that cares about all of its characters so much and that we have valencia still Mm -hmm. and that she's turned so much and has shifted in ways that feel deeply organic from where she was in season one to where she is today to um that i think just speaks to the the, like you were saying the understanding that the show has of itself and yeah it's just it's very good and it's very it's it's i keep going back to this from the first theme song but it's it's all it's very nuanced and yeah it's a lot lot more complicated yeah it's very it's very complicated and it's very nuanced and it embraces all of that and when it wants to talk about things while still doing things like "Eh, ruth gator ginsburg yeah or all men are rapists including your two sons (laughs) (laughs) oh man well and we haven't talked that much about the the specifics of this year with um, Rebecca's diagnosis and her yeah. her spiral into uh, suicidal depression, uh, but for more on just how powerful that is and how much it speaks to so many people's existences and their realities, go over to Vulture and read friend of the show Angelica Jade Bastien's piece that she wrote about it because it is absolutely amazing, well written, um, and very powerful. I I can't speak with authority, but from people who can, this show is one of, if not the best depiction of mental illness we've seen on American TV, the most real and the most honest and the most uh, just respectful and uh, with the most care for getting it right and for paying tribute to the daily lived in experiences of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. it's a beautiful show it's a funny show it's a heartfelt show and it is a show that more of you should be watching <laughs> so that is that is why all of that and so much more is why it is my number one yeah and yeah no i, I it legitimately like i was sort of like shuffling between this and good place but it was just like yeah no it's it's this it's crazy ex-girlfriend yeah, yeah. it can they can give us Rebecca on a plane with her, the Merlot, that's the only Merlot they have, and immediately (laughs) follow that with heart-wrenchingly real pain. Yep. And it does, again, it does both so very, very well. So it's a beautiful show. Thank you, Rachel Bloom. Thank you, Aileen Brock McKenna. Thank you, everyone, over at Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Okay, any final thoughts on 2017 in TV? Well, no, because we've got a bunch of final thoughts coming next week. That's true. We will have more on the year in TV next week in our Smorgasbordy uh, best of everything else. Favorites, least favorites, all of that good stuff. So 
Uh, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us your thoughts. Let us know what your top 10, top 20 are for the year. The ones we were crazy to leave off or that we should have uh, had higher. Um, let us know uh, what we should catch up with next year, etc. You can send us an email, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes with our M4A chaptered feed and our MP3 unchaptered feed. And you can also, of course, find both of us on Twitter. I am at Televerse Noel. You are? At Noel RK. And that's it for 2017 Top 20. Next up, everything else. Uh, thanks, Noel, as always. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with a lot more Televerse. <laughs>